are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. Week one is in the books of MLB, and Steve and Sam are here to break it down. Sammy, baseball is back, and the Yankees are playing every day. It feels good. It really does feel good, especially when the games start at 1 o'clock and end before my 4 o'clock shift ends. I mean, I just absolutely love that. We're going to get into everything and all of that, and the Yankees are 4-2, and two. two gems from Garrett Cole, Aaron Judge picking up where he left off, Labor Torres tearing the cover off the ball, the bullpen's been good for the large part, everything is working, there's no complaints, a rain out Thursday pushes the Baltimore series to Friday, their home opener, I can't complain with 4-2, and two. you're never going to hear me complain with winning series. I texted that to one of my buddies last week. You're never going to hear me complain. That's exactly what I was going to say is, you know, there, there's, it's easy to get frustrated, especially with the loss, the second game versus the Phillies, kind of the, the punt game. We already saw kind of a punt lineup. It's easy to get really pissed off and kind of annoyed at, at something like that. But in, in the end, if you win series, you go to the playoffs. And that, that's where that's where the goal is right now. You're I'm not, not going gonna... 162 and 0. Sorry to interrupt you, Steve. You're not going 162 and 0. Uh, 152 and 10 or 123 and 39. I mean, it's just not happening. So there's going to be losses throughout the baseball season. That is my whole thing. I'm not pulling hair out of my head over a loss in April. Losses happen and the Yankees winning their first two series at home against respectable opponents. The Giants were around 500 last year after a monster 2021. The Phillies, albeit without Bryce Harper, National League champs. Four and two, you win series. Just don't complain. They're on the right trajectory. Yeah, I mean, you could even say it like this, Sam. If you want, going two and three in a series is winning 66% of your games. You do that over the course of the year, you win 107 games. <laughs> so, again, so we're not going to really focus too much on the record here. Let's talk about a little bit about some players and then you mentioned that the, the start time and the end times here with them going quick. So I kind of want to start there. Like that's kind of the, been the biggest change this season so far for across baseball. So not just the Yankees is these new rules and the how quickly these games are ending. You said you like it because you're you know you're on sometimes you're on shift and you're working and you and it's part of your job. Pay, pay attention to sports. I take it the other way. You know I was putting the kids down for bed. And I come back and I'm like, holy shit, it's the sixth inning already. How, how did this happen? Usually it's, you know, I'm back and only missed two or three innings. I missed like five and a half innings uh, one night trying to put the kids down for bed. So it's going quick. I think I like it. It doesn't feel rushed. You know, you don't really get a sense of the pitch clock, you know, in your way, really. We only had a few violations so far through the Yankees games. A couple, you know, ejections across Major League Baseball. But I think those will eventually go away. Um, but overall, it's good for baseball. We're seeing a lot of stolen bases. And, you know, I, I don't have any complaints with the rule changes so far. You're right about that, Steve. I think the biggest adjustment for me when I end up going to a Major League Baseball game this season, I'm going to head home to the South Jersey area for a couple weeks in August. And when I go to a Phillies game, you see people there that you know, you meet up with old friends, and you have a couple beers out in Ashburn Alley at Phillies games yep. in, in the middle innings or whatever. You do that, you're going to miss like four innings. Yeah, that, I, I was going to mention the exact same thing. It's like, yeah, especially if you're going to the Bronx, you're going to stands, go to Billy's for a little bit. Like you would, you're like, I'll let the crowd go in. We'll go in maybe, you know, first, second inning here. Like you can, you know, lose track of time and, and you're, 
half the game's done. You can go get go in line for you know look at the the judge burger the ninety nine burger you're missing three innings getting in line here so that that's definitely going to be an interesting feel of how you're going to do that and look yeah I, when I go to baseball games I want it to be a four hour game because I'm there with my buddies I'm there to get drinks I'm there to have a good time so I think that's another aspect that we're, we're both going to have to kind of go to a game and, and see the difference there you know the the nine 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 challenge you know nine hot dogs nine beers nine innings. That thing's done. You can't do that. That's impossible nowadays because, you know, that there's just no way that you're going to do that in two hours and 20 minutes in some of these games. The Marlins played a game in under two hours, which was, you know, a bit, hour 57. So something we'll keep an eye on. It hasn't affected Garrett Cole, and that's where you have to start. Two games, two gems. He's got 19 strikeouts in his first two games, an unbelievable opening day of no one runs, 11 Ks, kind of got a bullshit earned run. Versus the Phillies here because of a pitch clock violation, you know, led to a walk and then he got pulled from the game. But but overall, I mean, Garrett Cole, he's got his hair cut a little shorter, uh, as my mom wanted to you know, text me on opening day. I like Garrett Cole's new hair, but other than that, this this Garrett Cole looks a little different on the mound because the stuff is electric. He's moving quick. We've always thought, you know, he's it's kind of shocking he doesn't have a Cy Young early leader across baseball to win a Cy Young after a one week overreaction, but. Tell me if I'm wrong. That's not an overreaction. Garrett Cole looks to be the odds-on favorite to crush the Cy Young right now. Without a doubt. And he looks unhittable at points. You know, even when he has a couple runners on, it reminded me today when he was playing the Phillies and last week against the Giants. You remember that playoff game where the Yankees loaded the bases against him in the 2019 ALCS against Houston, the Astros? Yeah. And he just bared down and got right out of it with that electric stuff. That's the Garrett Cole I'm seeing right now. And he's had plenty of flashes of greatness in his first three seasons with the Yankees now, if you count 2020. Electric stuff. The fastball up in the zone has a bit more pop to it this year, I feel like. It's running up on those hitters. One really stood out to me today my buddy Phillies fans buddies texting me about it JTL Real Muto ended up fouling it off but it was 96 and like ramping up in the zone yep. that took a lot of ability for Real Muto to foul that off the off-speed stuff is really working and you've kind of hinted to it when you were talking about Cole but is this pitch clock and forcing him to work faster forget about the violation earlier is this making him better I think so far he's benefited from this. I agree. He's getting the ball. He's on the mound. And look, he, we know his stuff is there. And and he's like, all right, you know, the, the, the batters are a little sped up too. I, I can get into my rhythm here. He gets into a rhythm. And even in the, you know, versus the Phillies, he had a couple, you know, first two innings there. He kind of got the pitch count up there a little bit, but he was working fast. He had a couple strikeouts in there that always gets your pitch count up there a little bit. But then there was the, the fourth inning where he got, he was out of the, six pitches in the entire inning. So he barely broke a sweat that inning and uh, really kind of helped, you know, stay in the game a little bit longer. But, you know, still has a couple. And then the other huge thing no home runs. That's what Garrett Cole's nemesis since coming to the Yankees has been. He's going to give up an early solo home run. And I thought it was going to come today. I was like, ah, oh, this is, this kind of was important for me after, you know, the Giants lineup is not that. You know, overpowering. You know, they, they thought they were getting Aaron Judge, and then they thought they were getting Carlos Correa. And then you see the lineup they put on opening day, and Cole just mills him down for eleven strikeouts. But I thought, you know, maybe Carlos Warbrook, Carlos Warbrook gets a gets a bomb versus him today, and they're like, all right, Garrett Cole gives up a you know a solo shot. It happens. That's kind of been his mo for a while. I haven't really seen anybody come close to hitting a home run. 
So, I mean, that is a huge difference. The strikeouts are there. We know we talked about how much I love his strikeout over this year. I mean, he's going to blow past it at this rate. You know, with that 19 strikeouts in 12 and a third of an inning. Only six hits. You know, nothing really screaming off the bat on either way here. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens if the, when the lineups get a little tougher. As you mentioned, you know, Harper is not there for the Phillies. Uh, and, you know, Reese Hopkins is gone from that lineup too with the ACL. But, you know, overall, batters only, you know, he's given up six hits. You know, that's a 150 average. Uh, it's been dominant from Cole. Uh, him and Trevino look like they're locked in on pitches and, and they're just moving quickly. And, you know, if, if you know, if you're a betting man, like, like maybe two people on this podcast might be, I'm taking Garrett Cole strikeouts basically every game here. Garrett Cole to go deep into games, Yankees to win every time Garrett Cole's on the mound because, uh, the stuff looks electric right now. And it wasn't an easy day for hitters today. The ball was really dying out there, especially in the early innings. But it was not easy conditions for pitchers today it was cold. either. It was cold. I mean, who likes pitching in that? And we saw another stellar outing from Cole. I love how you mentioned the home runs. The stuff is looking really, really good. And I love the point you made earlier about the pitch clock and it potentially benefiting him because – He's just delivering electric stuff. He's moving really, really quick out there, as a lot of pitchers are forced to right now. And you have a few more of these starts, and you could argue we could have Garrett Cole's most dominant stretch as a New York Yankee because this is an ace. This is what the Yankees paid for, and he has not lost any of his luster at all. And you go back to big pitching contracts. The Yankees, of course, gave Garrett Cole nine years, $324 million. Go back to Max Scherzer. Some of these pitching contracts look absurd. Go all the way back to Barry Zito. That was an abomination until he helped him win the World Series in 2010 for the San Francisco Giants. Plenty of pitching contracts have blown up in the face of these franchises. Carl Pavano, albeit very less money, way, way back in the day, that was horrible. Look at at, at Strasburg right now. Strasburg, Corbin. But look at the contracts Kershaw and Scherzer have signed. And then having Scherzer cash in again with the Mets. And now that's another debate what he's been in his first couple starts. But the longevity of this contract and the production all the way through is something I'm feeling really, really good about with Cole. Just like Kershaw and ended up with the Dodgers and Scherzer ended up with the Nationals. I think Cole is going to be in that same category. When we look back in several years, we're going to say he was worth every damn penny. All right. Completely, completely agree. You know, he's got an opt-out coming up in a little bit, and the Yankees will, I think, already can lock in, barring barring a major, major injury. You know, we can avoid that opt-out by just by adding on another year. So that's basically going to make this a, a 10-year, $350 million deal. And look, in, in the end, it really comes down to championships for, for what we're going to have here for Cole. So this is a good start to that. We'll, we'll see how it, how it continues on the year, but... Overall, pumped what's going on with the Cole train right now. We're sticking with the rotation, not what we expected. We expected Cole to do what he's doing. I didn't expect Johnny Brito to look awesome in his first ever major league start. Five innings, six Ks, two hits, no runs. Got being a fifth starter, you get that, you know, those April off days. He gets the lovely joy of pitching like that and then immediately getting sent to the minors here. But given the Yankees' injuries that they're facing with, you know, Rendon, Severino, and Montas here, that's a hell of a start from a, from a rookie, you know, making his major league debut in the third game of the year. Yeah, 25 years old. 
He looked really, really solid on Sunday. Way better than I expected him to look. Zero runs against the Giants. He just looked really, really solid. Now, of course, he's sent down. And I was hearing today that due to the rain out, there's a loophole that he might not be allowed back up in time for the game. I'm not quite sure about that. Yeah, I got to take a look at the, you know, the rain out might screw things up a little bit. But, I mean, they're just pushing it back to, you know, the Yankees weren't supposed to play on Friday. So, I don't think it should make that big of a of a deal here. I think his next was supposed to come up on the rotation on Tuesday the 11th. I think I have an empty slot here. So, that, you know, would basically be the 10 days because he pitched on the 2nd. So, I don't know. I think the Yankees will, will figure it out. But we're going to see him again. We're going to see him again. Like you said, 25 years old. You know, not blown anybody away, but looked confident, looked composed, and did really well there. That's, this is a good, you know, could be a good find for the Yankees, even when, you know, Rendon comes back, Severino comes back. Domingo Ramon didn't look great. Clark Schmidt didn't look great. So there's an opportunity at the back end of this rotation, and it's going to be an open competition, as it should be, for the entire year. So right now, yeah, Brito's your, your five guy going down to the minors when you don't need a fifth starter. But there's a chance that he could be the, the, the fourth or fifth guy for the entire year, even when guys are healthy, if he continues to pitch like that. So good to see a rookie come out like that, and that's kind of what we wanted. We wanted. And we got to you know focus on that and see when his next start could be. You know, I, I, It was supposed to be versus Cleveland, but now you mentioned the rain out. I, we'll take a look and see what it is. But around the rest of the rotation, Armand didn't look. You know, I, I wanted Clark Smith to be better. Actually, let's go there because I love my boy Clark. But he, he gives up hits. And he gives up some runs, and that's, you know, the Yankees lost that game 7-5, and he gave up some runs early in the year. So what 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 were you thinking about Clark's uh, debut as a full-time rotation guy for now for the Yankees? I mean, who expected him to be starting the second game of the season when the Yankees open camp or pitchers and catchers reporter? Yeah, when you signed Carlos Rendon for $162 million, you're not expecting to throw Clark Schmidt out in the second game of the year. It was supposed to be Cole, Radon, Severino, Cortez, Clark Schmidt. And then here comes Clark Schmidt starting the second game of the season and kind of thrown into the fire. Definitely not a situation he expected. We didn't. We certainly didn't expect it. But he definitely got hit around a little bit. And I'm excited to see how he bounces back against the Orioles. He'll be getting a start this weekend. Five strikeouts and three and a third, which was encouraging to see, but prone to the long ball. Two home runs. Yeah. It's, it, it, it wasn't an encouraging start. But. It's what we've seen from him. Like we've had, we've seen some, you know, last year we saw some nice dominant, you know, you know, appearances in relief. But if you had to kind of, you know, guess what, like, hey, what, what's a typical Clark Schmidt starting line going to be? You'd probably say four, four innings, couple runs, and a home run as your baseline. And that's basically what he had. And for so. back end of the rotation starters, that's certainly not bad in today's MLB in 2023. If you get through five innings, two or three runs, I know it's not a quality start, but for your four and five starters in today's game, that's not hateful for me. But yeah. he couldn't make it out of the fourth inning. And the Yankees had a chance. Like that was a game that was, you know, didn't it wasn't completely out of hand. You know, the Yankees, you know, it was a, it was a tie game after five. So in the end, it. it you have a lineup that protects guys that give up runs in the rotation if you really needed it to. Michael King didn't look great filling in for for Schmidt at, for that loss, but overall, you know, I want to see. I still want to see like Clark to get you know five to seven starts, and then we'll judge that as a whole for, versus the one start. So we'll, we'll we'll see there with the with the rotation. Back to the positive thing, Sam. Good thing we didn't trade Glaber Torres. Don't you think? 
he is tearing the cover off the ball. And you made a point last week that if you take out August, we're talking about an all-star second baseman when it comes to Torres. I, and you as well, no one is enjoying this success story early on in this season more than us, I don't think. He's just so locked into the plate. He's hitting to all fields, left, right, and center. I really love watching this guy play. And we talk about a log jam in the infield. Right now, Josh Donaldson's hamstring is, seems it, to be bothering him a little water bit. Water finds so, its level. You find it. It's, things always work itself out, kind of, has always kind of happened for baseball. And Glaber kind of started the year off with a little chip on his shoulder. You know, he hit that first home run. And he was pretty pumped running down those bases. He was coming out the crowd. Maybe it's a little bit of that that you know World Baseball Classic swag that came off here. But but Glaber was ready for this season, and and that is awesome. He admitted several times how the trade rumors got in his head, and that account, that's what he's accounting for in that August. And he's basically said, you know, I, I'm done with that. I'm whatever happens, whatever happens. I want to be a Yankee. I'm a Yankee today, so I'm gonna play for the Yankees. And it's working. I mean, because like you said, he's doing everything. And he's changing his the way he's playing a little bit too. Like he leads the major leagues in stolen bases, Sam. Clayton Torres, has five stolen and he's bases. He's aggressive too. He's he got going. thrown out. He got thrown out on his first one today, and then tested Real Muto, who's the best at throwing out runners again, and he made it. He had thirty six career stolen bases in five hundred and seventy six games. He's got five and six games to start the year. Really taking advantage of these new rules. Really begging teams to throw him out. Like you said, take the risks, and he got thrown out there. He stole, I think he stole third base twice this year. So five stolen bases, two of second, two of third, three of two, three of second, two of third. Hello. Um, and it's just he's hitting the ball all over the way, and you know, you know it's coming to him. Gleyber Torres is at his best when he's driving the ball the other way. Those home runs are oppo tacos, and that's how you do it. He's fighting at the plate. Not having these wasteful at bats to start the year like he was having at some points last year versus the Phillies on you know versus Phillies today it was a broken bat single in the first and then a nice sharp single in the second he's doing it every which way around the plate even you know he got a he let off a game he played a game at DH so they are moving him around a little bit in the lineup and and you know between DH and second base but Yankees look good by keeping him right now hopefully you know that you know you have a long season there might be. Some opportunities that he still is brought up in trade talks. But Glaber Torres needs to be in the lineup every day, no matter what. He's hit safely in all but one game, which was the Saturday loss to the Giants. Two multi-hit games, stealing bases all around the field. I'm really happy to see what he's doing. Still just 26 years old. And if Josh Donaldson goes on the IL, he's playing every day. I mean, heck. He'd be playing every day regardless with how he's hitting. I mean, him and Judge have been the two best hitters on the Yankees in this first week of the season. That World Baseball Classic swag, that's a great point on his first home run. I'm excited to see what he's doing. For now, he's the second baseman for the New York Yankees. And the down 2020, whatever, everyone gets a mulligan for that. 2021, the struggles continued. But like you said last week, you take out that August last year, he's an all-star second baseman. Yeah. I mean, he was just horrible in that month. And if he puts this together consistently, this is a big year. This is his sixth season in Major League Baseball. He was called up a few weeks into 2018. We'll call it five because 2020 was whatever. But this is a big, big season for him. He was involved in trade talks. The Yankees held on to him. And he has proven them right right now. 
And then you mentioned the Donaldson thing. Like, let's say, look, Donaldson's old. He hasn't looked great at the plate. Maybe you let him rest for a few weeks. I'm not saying you need to if he's not hurt, but I'm just saying I don't think anybody's going to complain if that happens to happen. And then, so if that does happen, I think, you know, you shift over DJ LeMahieu to, to third. Are you bringing up Peraza to kind of be your floater infield guy to take over kind of what LeMahieu's been doing? Or are you just sticking with that set infield of Glaber at second and LeMahieu at third because you do have Cabrera who could play third base as well? So are you, are you bringing up the young kid here and kind of keeping that rotation? Or are you just going to bring up another kind of outfield bat and you move Oswaldo back into that infield utility role here? So I think it's an interesting decision the Yankees have here. I'm not really sure which way they go. I'm bringing uh, an outfielder up and I'm moving Oswaldo back to that utility. So you're keeping role. Peraza down. Yes, I, I think he needs to be getting consistent at bats. He didn't have a great spring. Consistent at bats is a huge thing. And when we get to June, July, we're going to be talking trades. And if he's up here and not getting at bats, and then he, he struggles to find his footing a little bit in AAA again, does his trade value go down a little bit? I'm not so hot to get rid of him, but I think he needs to be getting consistent at bats. We don't know when Harrison Bader is coming back. After we recorded last week, the Yankees signed Franchi Cordero, former Red Sox. He's been a bit of, a, of an adventure, especially out in the field. Those throws Got a cannon. Are, are, <laughs> those are entertainment. I mean, those yeah. are pure entertainment. Thank God both of them ended an ounce because, holy cow, does he have a noodle for an arm. But I think you bring up another outfielder. Um, just kind of looking at the 40, man, do you bring up another pitcher? Like, I'm not sure what you do because – from you're not going to bring up Everson Perea. He's he's too young and not ready for an outfielder. But he's the only outfielder on the forty man, and infield wise, Peraza is the only infielder on the forty man. So I, it, it this look I you don't want a player to go to the DL. Boone said the Donaldson thing is fine. You know by the time we release this tomorrow, he could be playing. You know, uh, you know, be back in the lineup about Friday afternoon, easy. But if he does go on the IL, it, it, it is put an interesting position there because in my opinion, you almost you have to bring up Peraza. Just based on the roster situation, unless you're just bringing up another pitcher, you you, know, you just call back Brito. Is, is that the move that you have here? So it's going to be very interesting. I'm I'm curious to see what what happens there too. But I agree with you. If you do, if Peraza is the thing that you call up here, I want him playing. You know. So does that move can can Stanton play the field more, and then you have Glaber become your permanent DH? A lot of options to figure out. We love a good roster crunch on podcasts and pinstripes. I know you do, Sam. We might have some situations early on for, for the Yankees. There's a variety of ways we can go here. We don't know how serious Josh Donaldson's hamstring is. He said post-game today that it was a little tight, but we'll, we'll see how it ends up tomorrow. Hey, it but was cold. Knows? It could be nothing. You know, he just, you know, Yankees were being super cautious. But um, Hamstrings and calves are really weird, especially if you're 600 early- years old. And at this early portion of the year where you're playing some games in 40 or 50 degree weather. So that's one thing to definitely keep in mind. I mean, mean, stuff gets a little tight, especially in in this part of the year. I wonder what they're going to do, but we got to see how how serious Donaldson is right now. Because the Yankees sometimes like to keep guys up for a couple of days before they go on the IL. Yeah, that's definitely what they're going to do. You're right. That's, <laughs> that's what they're going to do. We're probably, I, I'd i say there's a good chance we're not going to know what they do till the end of the weekend. 
Yeah, you, you nailed that. I think you're right. That's the, they'll hide it until Monday, and then Monday they'll be like, oh, he's, his leg needs to be amputated. So we'll go from there. <laughs> Speaking of fan favorites and Josh Donaldson, we got to talk about the other fan favorite that is Aaron Hicks. Boy, this couldn't have gone worse for Aaron Hicks to start the year. I feel for him a little bit. I, I want anyone who ever wears pinstripes to succeed, but uh, we we're got to be getting close to a point where you just can't have some guy and this demeanor around the locker room. You got Judge going into captain mode, giving him a nice pat on the back because he's getting booed in his first start of the year. Like, it's only going to get worse for Aaron Hicks. And right now, given what he seems like from um, from my basement, <laughs> the mental state of him and the Yankee fans, I, I don't want this guy on the, on the roster. Not for the obvious reasons of, like, get Aaron Hicks off the roster. I just don't want this bad juju between fans and, and the Yankees. I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want booing players in, like, their first at-bats of the game. Aaron Hicks can't do anything right. It's unlike anything we've ever seen. I know Donaldson got booed on opening day. I know Boone got maybe a little bit, but he's 0 for 8 on the season. The at-bats have not been good. I don't care what Aaron Boone says. The at-bats have not been good. He's owed $10.5 million this year, $9.5 million each of the next two years. You add that all up and you're in the $30 million neighborhood the yankees ate money on a rod that they ate money on brian mccann a little bit they ate like 10 million on him do they go that route when harrison bader comes back and have frankie cordero as the fourth slash fifth outfielder depending on what you can do with stanton in the field yeah i mean and look and then ikf has been you know also zero hits for ikf but he offers a little flexibility uh playing the infield as well and look, Hicks is – if you're playing IKF in center field, Aaron Hicks is not a center fielder. Is Aaron Hicks just a body right yeah, he, now? He is, and it's it's pretty crazy to see. He's just a sit and duck like that, but, like, the, the body language is terrible. Not being able to perform is going to be it. Like, look, you said the same thing with Donaldson getting booed here. He's only got one hit. No, but Donaldson got one home run already on the year. So, like, Donaldson hits a home run, those boos turn to cheers. Aaron Hicks looking at five pitches down the middle or swinging it out of his shoes – you know, instead of putting together a good at bat, that's never going to get you an understanding ovation. It's a really tough look. And look, I give him credit for being honest when the media asks him questions. He gets bashed for it, and you know all this stuff. But like, hey, someone's come up to him, and be like, hey, what are your feelings? He's like, I want to play baseball every day. I'm not going to yell at him for that. He's a he's a major league baseball player who thinks he could play baseball every day. He could think that all he wants, but he hasn't been able to prove it. So. Media can ask him that all the time. I like that he still talks to the media. I like that he's frustrated about it. But I, I don't like that it, it's causing the the vibe to go down. You know, he's a vibe killer right now. It's sad, too, what's happening. I mean, 2018, it's his third season with the Yankees. Almost 600 plate appearances. We're talking about a five-tool player, gold glove center fielder. I mean, almost 30 home runs. He, he was a top five center fielder in baseball for at one point in his career. Like that, as a fact. It, the other points of his career, before and after, he's basically not been able to be on a roster. But for one point, he kind of took over center field for baseball, and it was awesome. He only hit 248 that season. I don't care. He had an uh, on-base percentage of almost 37% of the time. You go to next year, he battles injuries. He only plays in 59 games. Average goes to 235. Some of the Yankees fans that don't know anything are bashing on that. OPS of almost 
770, and, and he's getting on base nearly 33% of the time. And then 2020, uh, and almost an 800 OPS in 54 games, I've made it known what I think of that season. But holy shit, Look, if he plays the, on. If he plays the back of his baseball card, people are going to love him. 230 hitter, gets on base 33% of the time, hits a couple long balls, both sides of the plate, uh, and can play the outfield. Like $10 million is, 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 is fine for that. You know, Jackie Bradley Jr. was making eleven million dollars last year, and he literally could do nothing in baseball. So, like, it, there are—it's not completely out of the realm that he's this guy's being paid like that much. Like you said, like he got it—he got MVP votes in twenty eighteen. Like, yeah, they're bottom. Like, you, you vote basically top twenty-five and thirty in baseball now, but his twenty eighteen was was legit good. So, it's it's a crazy fall off for Aaron Hicks. But that you know, in the next few weeks, I hope we don't have to talk about him on the podcast anymore. I hope that the, that the Yankees have figured out a solution here. So, yeah, if I want Harrison Bader to come back just because he's a good baseball player and he yanks the Yankees better. But I think you're right that that could put an end to the Aaron Hicks saga because I don't think you're going to sign Frenchy Cordera if you're just going to drop him once Bader comes back. So that was a great point signing there. Like, if, if you're just going to drop him once Bader's back, then you probably just might as well keep Floreal. And just DFA him when when Bader comes back. So if you're if you're making that move already, I think there could be something in the works for for Hicks in the next few weeks once Bader because he's Bader's taking some swings. We could talk about the injuries a little bit. Bader's taking some swings. Severino, Rendon, they're they're throwing, you know, doing some long tossing, maybe getting a little better. Tommy Kaling, I haven't really heard much about. And same for Lou Trevino. So the Yankees are probably all those guys are three to four weeks away. So that could probably make this Hicks thing drag on for three to four weeks, and just he's got to just sit on the bench until then. It's a difficult situation. He's owed almost you know around thirty million dollars. I'm not really sure what you do. Thirty and a half million dollars. It's it's in that ballpark. Ten and a half, nine and a half, and nine and a half. So I, I don't know who did it. I can't remember, but someone had a good April Fool's joke on Twitter saying that the Yankees had a deal in place to ship out Aaron Hicks. Um, only eating half his money, and Brian Cashman said no. And I was like, I literally, like, my head was going to pop off. And then I saw it was tweeted on April 1st, and I was like, touche. Touche to you, sir, I don't remember. It was probably one of those troll accounts on uh, on Twitter, the old Wesley Steinberg for the for the Giants. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's one of the ones I really like. But it, it's a difficult situation. He's not producing. I mean, imagine if he was making 15 or $20 million a year right now. <laughs> that's where we're at. We're just glad it's only 10. <laughs> the, the Yankees could, I mean, the Yankees paid A-Rod $27.5 million. Would, would they do it right here? It's only a couple million more. That's a question that lingers in the back of my head. Maybe you trade him and eat all the money and get a, a raw 18-year-old flamethrower. Just, get a compa- get, just take a competitive, competitive balance pick or something at this point. I don't care. I think we're on the same page. I, I don't really know what to do here. He's the body language. I mean, he answers the tough questions, which I really like about him. He doesn't shy away from any of this, but he just – Looks lost. I don't know if it was the injuries. The wrist injury, I think it was huge. Uh, and I'm, I want to end it there. I think we, we, we put enough time on Aaron Hicks, basically. But, yeah, I think the injuries are huge. We liked him when he was good. He sucks now. So, let's – more fun. We got to talk about the rookie, Anthony Volpe. Six starts at shortstop. Six games. The good, even though he's struggling at the plate a little bit, he's getting on base with his walks. Shown to be very patient hitter. Really good at bats uh, on some of these walks. You, you wouldn't really expect that from uh, – a, a kid that's you know barely played triple a and he steals he's fast as fuck 
<laughs> if you get on base, he's stealing. I was able to to jump on that with that betting that he was going to be a steal a base in opening day. That was a nice little hit here. I love his speed. The bad, couple miscues at short. Couple costly miscues at short. One knuckler that he, uh, I think that was on Saturday, that or which game was that? But, you know, he kind of wasn't able, they should have been able to caught that on the fly. And then, you know, dropped, kind of dropped the ball. Should have been a double play the other night. Rookie mistakes come with the good, come with the bad. Also acknowledging that if Kiner Falefa made those mistakes, we'd put his head, you know, on a pillar outside the Bronx. There's a difference between Kiner Falefa and Volpe, for sure. But let me see what you uh, what you've been thinking with uh, with the kid after a week of baseball. I love the patience at the plate. He's always willing to take walks. His on base percentage is high, and it, it goes back to what I said last week. I'm very happy that the Yankees gave this kid a chance to come up on opening day. 20 games of AAA, like Aaron Boone mentioned in, in the part where you're welcome Volpe to the Yankees. But I'm very happy that this is the route they're taking. There's no above average shortstop that was on the team last year. Kiner Falafa was below average, both in the field and at the plate. So why not give this guy who tore the cover off the ball in the minors a chance? And it hasn't been tearing the cover off the ball so far, but if you go back to when Aaron Boone welcomed him to the Yankees, he said, you only have 20 games at AAA. We think there could be some more development. But I think that development should come in the major leagues. Those words, they really hit home. Yeah, and, and I think it's key to remember that while he finished last year on fire, he struggled coming out the gate in Double A, and he was not, you know, this top ten prospect going into last year, you know, in in Double A. So that was it's something to to remember to look at. Remember is that he's basically struggled to start the year ever since he's gotten drafted, which is fine, and we'll we'll take those struggles there because we expect you know him to adjust. We expect him to get you know once he starts seeing some more major league pitchers, we expect the you know the ceiling to really rise. So I like it. He, it's fun to have a rookie in the lineup here. Like I said, he's fast on base, taking those walks. Even his opening day walk, what was great. A couple of nice singles to, to start the year. He's not swinging out his shoes, looking for the big home run, but he's got some power to him. So I, you know, hopefully we get that first run out. You know, get that first run, get that first RBI, get that first home run, get those boxes ticked. But you know, no real complaints to, to, to start the year here. It's it's been fun. If you just remember that he started really slow in Double A, and then he tore the cover off the ball. Not saying it's going to happen immediately with Major League Baseball because it's a it's a much different game, but it's exciting to see. And like I said, if he's taking those walks. What's his stolen base number? Uh, how many is he getting this year? He's got three in six games, but he got three in the first three games. Could we be looking at forty? Right, after opening day, I was like, this guy might have seventy. So, but yeah, I, I think thirty minimum, minimum thirty, but I think a high of fifty. So yeah, I guess we'll. we'll Split it and go 40. 40 stolen bases. It's good speed. It's a different approach to stealing bases. That little, you know, kind of step pop and, you know, get a little running start. I'll take him getting picked off once or twice too if that happens. Because as he showed, if he times it right and you're the catcher, don't even bother throwing the ball. What really sticks to me still is the development thing. Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman want him to develop in the majors because he really showed he's an elite player in the minor leagues despite only triple, 20 AAA games. I'm excited to see what he brings. I think he's going to show some pop pretty soon. He's a patient hitter at the plate, and when that happens, you're going to get into hitter's counts, and you're going to see some meatballs. 
And that's when I think he'll really, really take advantage. Not a better defender than Oswald Peraza, but the Yankees definitely know that. And they're giving him an opportunity to develop a shortstop in the major leagues, which every fan is thankful for. I mean, his jersey was sold out in the Yankees pro shop on opening day. That we, we got the number completely all, wrong. We did, we wouldn't have get neither one of us guessed Brett Gardner. And he even called Brett Gardner to ask him to wear number eleven, which I really really loved. The popularity for him is off the charts. He was a Yankees fan growing up in New Jersey. Like I said last week, I covered him when he was at Del Barton, and that's just going to magnify this situation so much. But I'm preaching patience right here. Yeah, because the same words that Boone said, development in the major leagues. He doesn't seem overmatched. He's confident. He looks like he belongs, and the results will come. Uh, just to wrap it up on Volpe, like I said, struggled. First 29 games in Double A, batted 167 with 35 strikeouts. And he finished the year monster. So let, let's see what happens. Let's give him 30 games, see what adjustments he can make, and let's see what happens after 60 games. So I think those are two benchmarks that we should come back to and talk about on the pod is – all right, 30 games in, what have we seen? 60 games in, what changes did he make? Because I think we'll, we'll see improvement from 30 to 60. We're going to see improvement from 6 to 7. This is a kid that is Jeter-esque in his routine, in his demeanor, in, in what it means to you know be a shaky starting shortstop. But keys for him, so for me, speed and doesn't look overwhelmed at all. Looks like he does belong on the field with these guys, and it's good to... Uh, it's good to see. We'll wrap it up, but we gotta we gotta mention it's forty minutes in, and we really haven't talked about the reigning AL MVP taking up. You know, as you said to start the podcast, right where we left, right where he left off. Aaron Judge is the season will go as Aaron Judge goes. Doesn't look like he's anything has changed. The money hasn't changed him yet signing that massive contract, but Captain Judge is looking to try and put another MVP season together, and he's had a good start. That home run on opening day was so, so epic. First win. Against the Giants, he had 13 at-bats, and he had six hits. Arson set the Giants on fire. Great analogy. I can't get enough of this guy. He is the face of New York sports. He's the face of baseball. With Otani. Otani, too. But Aaron Judge and Otani, face of baseball right now, and it's been awesome. You know, like he's, he's getting the cover off the ball. Even today, that ball, I think, would have went a lot further if not for the the conditions in the Bronx. He hit that single. He yep. stole a base, yep. which that was his first one of the season. We've seen him be aggressive on the base paths before. He is coming for that back-to-back MVP. And we said last week it's going to take another monstrous season to beat Otani, but Nothing is impossible. We saw the guy is literally a monster. Physically, he's a monster. So if it's going to be him, it's going to be him. And look, it's nice. The, the, you know, the lineup is setting up nice. DJ, you know, just to hit in the lineup, you know, the quick hits. You know, DJ looks healthy. Judge is a monster. Rizzo is going to make mistakes and put that into, you know, the short porch anytime. Did you see uh, – well, you weren't – I know as you many watched many Philly games in your day – John Cruck is a treat to listen to. My and former neighbor. They're even better. When he literally was like, man, this this stadium is really built for Anthony Rizzo. And the pitch. Boom. Home run. He's out of the bases. He goes, remind me to shut up. It was 
Unbelievable. My friends texted me that, as many of them are in the Philadelphia area. It was hilarious. I have signed veteran stadium seats right behind me right now of John Kruk. Great friend of the family. Love him to death. He is an absolute gem. And we we talk about Judge, but Anthony Rizzo, what another great move. I absolutely love this guy. He is the perfect Yankee. And perfect to be behind Judge. You know the way the lineup is. It, it, I, it's just nice. You know DJ's not your prototypical leadoff hitter. Aaron Judge has become what teams now are put as your you know your two hitter here. But then you get the lefty in there with Rizzo, and then Stan. Stan looks good. Stan, we got to. Oh wait, we got to mention. All right, well, perfect segue into Stan here is make sure you follow uh, on Twitter the hashtag NYY. Home run tracker. It's back for its seventh season uh, on Twitter. Here we'll track every home run, every distance of a home run. But Sam Stanton tried to hit a ball to you in Florida, 485 feet above the batter's eye into the the, the pinstripe pass standing only area. What a bomb! You remember Judge's home run in 2017 against the Orioles when he yeah, cleared the bleachers. The longest home run in Yankee Stadium history. That reminded me of that. We have not seen anyone go to the territory Stanton has. Like Stanton, like yes, it was shorter than Judge's, but like that's dead. that's that's center field. Like Judge pulled it and smoked it, and I, and that one by Stanton was was crazy. Aaron Judge is obviously the face of the Yankees, and when he hits a home run, everyone goes nuts. I am gonna go out on a limb and say, I was I said this to a Yankees fan sitting near me at one of the Red Sox games last July, there is nothing like when Stanton gets a hold of one. There's I completely agree. Comparable. Com- completely, completely agree. I mean, absolutely smacked. I think it was 118 off the bat, 485 to, to center field. You're right. And, and it's it's immediate. I mean, a lot of the, you know, when you hit a home run like that, it's immediate. But with Stanton, it, it does, it sounds different. It feels a little different. It's just like you, the reactions of the people in the dugout, the reactions of the players and stuff like that is... That is just an absolute moonshot. It's good to I see. Love it's, seeing it. it's it's majestic. It's you, you you go back to so many of his over the years, and, and the one that really stands out to me is that grand slam off Darwin's and Hernandez in that Fenway series in late September when he, he just he hit that ball to New Hampshire. Judge home runs are awesome. Not taking anything away from him, he gets a hold of him as well, but. These Stanton home runs sometimes are just a different breed. Yeah. And I think he is what he is at, at this point. You know, he's not the same player, the MVP type player that he has been, but he's going to be putting 30 home runs up as long as he stays healthy. He's going to be having that low average a little bit. So it, it's good to see him get off to the off on the year on the, on the right foot when it comes to the home runs. He's already got two home runs, which is tied for the Yankees' lead with Glaber Torres and Aaron Judge. The Yankees have 11 home runs on the year. So we'll be tracking them all the time uh, on Twitter as we try to chase down the Twins who hold the Major League record for home runs with 307 in a season. But it's it's always it's always rare to see a Yankee game without a home run. We thought we, we've had a home run. Do we have a home run every, every game this year? I think so, right? It's only been six, I should remember. Yes, we did. Um, LeMahieu so, snuck one in on Tuesday. There you go. Yeah, we were about to have one. The, the, the dud punt game. LeMahieu got us on the board for the shutout here and got one. So, yeah, 11 home runs on the year. 
by far the farthest home run. I doubt we'll see anybody beat Stanton at 485, but but follow along on Twitter for NYYHR Tracker uh, on for me uh, at Angel Steve. You'll see it after every game, basically immediately right after. The other shameless plug for me, Sam, as we wrap up here is to follow me on Twitter where we're giving out 162 and 162. Uh, it's and 100... TikTok. You can't forget TikTok. I meant to say TikTok. TikTok. I, I, my brain doesn't even know that I need to say TikTok instead of Twitter here because basically TikTok is better than Twitter. Thanks, Elon. But yeah, give out 162 bets. So 162 games, one bet every game. Start off the year nice. Four and two. Volpe, like as I said earlier, got us that nice plus 400 to steal a base here. Uh, a couple same game parlays have hit. Um, well, you know, we, same same goes as we said for the Yankees. We're not going 162 betting wise here. We're aiming for a uh, 66%, and I'll be ecstatic. So follow along on Twitter and, and TikTok, um, and occasionally I'll I'll tap into Slam and Sammy picks because uh, I know you got some good ones that we'll, we'll use uh, throughout the year. Absolutely, you you yours have to be. I'm going to make the rule now. Slam and Sammy picks have to be. You just tell me a guy to hit a home run, and we'll bet him. You can, you can be home run or not. That's all you can bet is home run bets. Or you can send me the, the sports book. I'll, I'll see what, what I like. I am in Florida. There is no legal sports betting. Uh, I have limited props on. Come on, Florida. Uh, get it together. Uh, it is it is insane. <laughs> there is everything allowed in this state under the sun. <laughs> I could go right now and gamble every dollar to my name on blackjack, but I can't bet 10 bucks. You can't bet Volpe to steal a base? Come on. It is, it, it is it is horseshit. Love this state, but my goodness, get it together. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's wrap it up with just kind of looking at the schedule here. Like you said, rained out on Thursday. So that means opening day for Orioles at, at Yankee Stadium South at Candom Yards is Friday afternoon. And then so three rest of the Orioles. Then we travel to Cleveland for three. Uh, we're going to take off next week because I'm doing some traveling. So then we get the matchup versus the Twins. So Orioles Guardians and Twins, super early in the year. So I'm going to say Orioles got some young guys that can hit the ball really well. I'm excited to kind of watch those guys. Gunner, Gunner's there. He's going to be challenging for Rookie of the Year with Volpe. They got some good guys on the mound. You know, their catcher, Rushman, hit a hit a bomb uh, versus the Red Sox. And the Guardians are good. The Guardians are a team. Guardians and Twins are going to be battling it out for the Central. It's kind of wide open. Uh, we're going to see old favorite Joey Gallo, who has three home runs already for the Twins. What a story. I mean, all the best to him. He took the questions like a pro. He handled his tenure in New York like a pro. All the best to him. I hope he has success. Except when we play him. Correct. 12 strikeouts minimum when we play him. Other than that, we'll root him on. <laughs> and you know what the motto is, Steve? Keep winning series. Keep winning series. That's There you go. Just that, keep swimming. That's what it should be going forward, especially with the pitching rotation down two arms. You keep winning series with this rotation, that's the recipe for success once Rodon and Severino come back. Perfect. That's how we're going to do it. That's how we end it. That's another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, episode two of season seven in the books. Yankees are back. Yankees look good. Cole's going to win MVP. We're going to win the World Series. And Stan and Steve are going to be here for the whole time having fun, man. Appreciate it, and we'll talk next week. Let's go, Yanks, Steve.